Hi everyone, it's Joachim Ockham, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast. Podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. Today I'm talking with Arnd Benninghoff, who is the Executive Vice President of Esports and Games at MTG. MTG is a Swedish-founded strategic acquirer and operator who built a portfolio of games businesses, which have been acquired through this Swedish family model approach. In this episode, we talk with Arnd about the way that you can effectively bring world-class game studios together and build something big as a group. But before we go to this discussion, here's a few words from our sponsors. Are you a mobile game developer who's looking to try something new on the ad creative side? My top pick would be influencer-generated content, IGC, by Opera Event. Influencers and actors will make specific content from your games and Opera Event will deliver you high-quality video ads that highlight the best parts of your game. Go to getigc.com to see some examples. That's getigc.com. Hey Arnd, welcome to the show. Hey Joachim, thanks for having me. Uh, I think like personally for myself, talking about the mergers and acquisitions that are happening in gaming, what are sort of the best practices, what founders should think about when they're thinking about, hey, I want to be acquired or hey, it's a good time to, to have these discussions. Like, there's so much there that I want to unpack with you today, but First off, I wanted to ask you if you could talk about your journey into the games industry and how you got involved in M&A at MTG. Yeah, yeah okay, this is a good question. Since I never had a plan in my life, so I have to admit first, it is more about the encounters and curiosity drives me. I mean, I'm more interested in people and stories. I think the best yeah. stories you can find in building something huge and chasing a vision is in games, simply. I'm not a hardcore gamer, I'm the, the best. It gets us my gaming chair and some, yeah. some mobile gaming attempts. But back t- 10 years back, when I was tasked to drive a digital transformation of a broadcasting group in Germany called Seven Set One, I thought, where would you go when you were to build a game an entertainment business into gaming? So I tried then, back then, to build a European games publishing business. But I would say it hasn't panned out as planned. We more or less failed compared to ambition. And the key learning was, Publishing is nice, but if your assumptions are you can acquire a user for X and then the UA costs explodes, then your model is gone. So you need to own the IP, the key value drives mm-hmm. the IP. So then 10 years later, or not 10 years later, five years later in 2014, I had the opportunity to join MTG. Also at that time, a classic, typical broadcasting businesses, pay TV, free TV, even radio, TV production, and some digital businesses. A-bot, S-bot services, so video business mainly. And then again, I had the chance to like redo this movie, a new entertainment business. So I went back. At that time, I was lucky to meet the ESL guys. We went first into esports, partnered with them, bought the majority in ESL and in DreamHack and did some 
more roll-ups. So that was our lighthouse investment. Excited everyone because still esports will become one of the biggest sports in the world. And then the second pillar logically became games because we want to go to the source when you follow the customer journey and they invested into Inno Games and Congate. That was the foundation at that time. So all done under MPGX as a digital arm. And then much later when we realized and were absolutely <laughs> honest to ourselves that there were no synergies between the TV, Nordic TV broadcasting business and the games entertainment business, that has led ultimately to the split of the group. So since then, the MPGX business with esports and games became the new MTG. So we kept the name standing for 30 years entertainment business and we're still listed in the Nordics. And my role was simply like a shepherd, a travel guide to lead this journey into uncharted territories to build a digital portfolio from scratch. And today, today I run this together with my colleagues, Maria, the CEO and last CFO as a team. Can you talk a little bit about the group and this portfolio of games companies that you built now to MTG? Who are they and what makes them unique? So first, what really makes them unique, these are all founder-led companies. So the founders are still on board, long-term committed with a huge vision and a strong corporate culture. Super passionate. All of them could never work in any other industry. And for all of them, it's still the beginning, although they have been in the games industry since some 15 years, 20 years, at least 10 years. And they're all working on creating evergreen franchises. So that's really, that makes them unique. And then combined with a super lean holding, if you look at MPG, you would visit us, then you would find everyone on a small floor at Stockholm. So not even the full house, only a small floor. So not more than 20, 25 people. And we're only caring about the entrepreneurs, how to keep them happy. We are so more or less the shepherds uh, to help them to grow. The portfolio is centered around casual and mid-core games. So we have a genre focus. We try to find entrepreneurs who are really going deep into one genre, like Sean with Hutch into mobile racing, Inno games for many, many years since 2007, strategy simulation games. And then I can go on. So everyone is really highly focused genre but the passion for games and to keep the independence this really drives them you have like a when you're thinking about companies or looking out for companies do you have certain criteria like you said founder sort of driven companies but do you have like a wish list that defines the companies that you specifically want to partner with on one side we have investment criteria but before i would go into the investment criteria for us, the personal connection, the cultural fit is the most important criteria. So if we struggle to connect on a personal level with the founders, then we are not the right partner. Once it has clicked, I mean, as you know, this, this question should be partners, probably the second most important question in each entrepreneur's life after the marriage probably. If we can say, yes, we want to partner, then we are going through a list of investment criteria, which are, is this a growth company? Is there a balanced and diversified portfolio? How does the new games pipeline look like? The corporate culture is super interesting for us. Is this a people first culture? And what is the growth perspective and so forth? So this is more the rational than analysis. And if we can still tick all the boxes, then we try to align on all the critical items up front. Yeah, I definitely agree with looking at these companies through the lens of a partner. So I, I often talk to founders who are contemplating on, on act, like getting acquired. They're thinking about what is the price 
but then I I point out that it's more about figuring out what kind of partner you want and the price will sort of take care of itself after you know that fact and it everything becomes so much easier is that true what do you think that's definitely true i fully buy into this concept because yeah i mean in the end life is uh, some of the experiences so if you haven't gone through this experience when you meet a founder and i remember a conversation with the founder of a story driven games company and he went through this experience with a big u.s corporate and he said never again so that is an easy pitch then if i pitch the mm-hmm. family model and the swedish dna how we want to treat entrepreneurs but sure some might be too much focus on the price tech but in the end my personal view is it has to be a fair price you don't have to think twice but through a process as a result there will always be a fair price tech for the company but more importantly since you're going to spend the rest of your life hopefully as an entrepreneur with this company it's more about the human aspects the human factor how do you communicate how can you also solve conflicts and you will go through conflicts in an MLA process so really look closely Do background checks, talk to other entrepreneurs. That would be always my recommendation. The reference calls are more important, probably or equally important. And then trust your gut feeling. Assuming that you want to stay. If it's more the take the money in one case, okay, we don't have to discuss it, then just sell for the highest price and then say goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, usually the cases that aren't the take the money and run cases, I've seen characteristics there being that the founders are taking care of their people and it matters a lot what the future will look like for the people in the company for the next 10 years and beyond and that really characterizes successful acquisitions that together those companies can actually grow somewhere versus that take the wrong money and run attitude absolutely i mean one measure of success is definitely are the entrepreneurs still around and Will they fulfill their responsibility towards the teams? And I think they have a huge responsibility and there's a war for talent out there. So what makes this company then special? And in the end, any acquisition, any partnership should only help them to accelerate in the growth journey, you know, access to whatever knowledge sharing, respect to sharing. They should enjoy working with others since an entrepreneur can feel pretty lonely over the years. He takes all the risk and has all the responsibility. So it's only fair to share this with other experienced, could be supporter, supporting team, someone like an, a holding company. Yeah. 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 You think about the the sort of the crazy pandemic times that MA, gaming, all the numbers are up and to the right. These uh, now we're at the end of that period. What do you think the the recent activity looks like what is going to happen next do you have any thoughts there when we started out on our journey in 2016 we we're pretty much not alone but there were just a few potential buyers and <clears throat> players in this consultation game or MA game now through the pandemic i think everyone has realized how attractive this gaming industry is and it is really set to grow for the next coming years so we have seen many new entrants here in the MA game private equity companies big strategics, both from Asia, from US, and even big tech companies. So everyone wants to position themselves. And in the end, it is about size, which matters and diversification of a portfolio, just really to compensate probably for, for, for product failures. So that has led to a pretty fierce competition. 
Then you have trends like hypercasual and other product trends, which also have accelerated the MOD game. And that's why facing today a pretty crowded market already. I still believe that the pool of attractive companies is still big enough. So there's no scarcity in terms of attractive companies. But it has become definitely uh, a fierce competition driving up prices, which are still, I think, compared to the growth potential of these companies, modest. And also compared to other industry segments like e-commerce, food delivery, and others. You think that specifically games in proven genres is more attractive for M&A and it's too early for the blockchain NFT metaverse space to actually make sense as an acquisition for somebody like MTG. Have you discussed this internally? Is it, is it a topic that comes up? Sure, we just came out of the portfolio days and, and crypto and blockchain gaming is one of the big disruptive topics we've discussed and I think it's highly relevant. Today, it's probably more on the VC side. Since we also run a VC fund, we've partnered with our friends from Bitcraft. I think they're early in the game. They invested into the Yield Guild game token. They've just set up a new token fund where we're in LP. Same here with Play Ventures. I think it's important to learn here and partner with experienced VC investors and then try to understand how we can translate blockchain gaming into products. I mean, it is a no-brainer to, to launch something for an automotive game like the top drive based on whatever where automotive cards or something for, for other games where you change the ownership to the community <clears throat> it will definitely disrupt the game economy the question how long it will take and when it will become relevant for mo day i mean um, we've seen crazy valuations right now i think we're in this hype phase and you should probably not yeah. buy in the middle of the hype phase and i want to see that the that this also industry segment blockchain gaming will mature a bit more. We have been experimenting since many years now at Congregate with Forte integrations. So I think more about building an R&D hub, like we call it the center of excellence, where you try to experiment and develop new products uh, based on a blockchain. So it, it's more about like, if you see these big funding rounds where the valuations are really high for this some crypto NFT companies, they're not being acquired yet. So is that like the fact that it's still too early for, for anybody to really look at them? What do you think? I'm pretty sure many uh, potential acquirers and strategists are looking at them and are nervous when it's the right time to buy if they would sell. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And in the end, as we know, the price is relative. I mean, um, sure, it's crazy if a company is valued at, at 4 billion after 50 months, it's out of outside of my imagination, <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's uh, supply and demand. And there might be um, a deal next year or whenever. The question is, how would it help your growth strategy as mm -hmm. a strategic support? I think now it's about know-how transfer and uh, it's still a different market segment. I mean, I've read that in X-Infinity, 50% of the players haven't been in, in before. So that's interesting. So obviously these games can attract new audiences and, and players. So we are not ready to pay crazy prices to, to buy. I, as much I would love to be part of, of the frontrunner game studios and games. But I think for us now learning phase. And then I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure in 2020, we, 22, we're going to see huge activity in, on the Amethyst side. Yeah. And it comes back down to, to again, asking like defining the best partner who should be the best partner to take this forward. Mm. Yeah. I mean, hey, for us, yeah. the other relevance comes from, you know, the overlap between esports 
and games. Yeah. So also we, we can be working also on products, NFT products for esports. So and here there will be a pretty active uh, knowledge exchange and, and and collaboration between esports and games uh, in the NFT space. NFT space. Yeah, definitely. I want to go back to talk a bit about the process of M and A, like. You already have a lot of companies that you have in the portfolio of MTG. Like when you're thinking about this kind of, let me ask it in this, this way, what would be a typical M&A process for you where you're thinking about a company or you're thinking about a space? Which comes first? What is driving that? And how does your existing portfolio of companies play into bringing in new companies into MTG? So it starts first with the screening process, <clears throat> or I would call it the dating process, where you try to follow probably long list of 40, 50 companies on a regular basis. And one thing is the KPIs, but then also building connections. Ideally, we, we try to avoid an MA process, but these days it's not easy. So meet them early and then try, after you've established the relationship and get to know each other, then you can probably try to approach them and talk about a strategic deal. If you can't avoid the MA process, then it's about positioning yourself as an attractive partner, owner of this business. And as we discussed earlier, this should happen through a personal connection. So you don't try to overwhelm the partner by talking about integration and, and other corporate bullshit. I would really focus first, try to understand what the entrepreneur is looking for and which growth faces the company. What are really their needs and how can you cater for it? And then you come back probably with a value proposition, with an offer. So it's a very personal, I would say, process. And then sure, for me, the price is still a hygiene factor. More important is to connect the potential target company with our existing portfolio companies, because I mean, the best reference are the entrepreneurs. They can talk about us as a shareholder. Do we walk our talk? Do we keep our promises? I think these are the most important question any new target company should, should ask these entrepreneurs. And then it should be complementary. We have a boutique approach. So I'm not trying, we're not trying to acquire 20, 30, 50 studios. So it's not about the quantity. It's really here about the quality. There should be a culture fit. Same time, they should preserve their own corporate culture. But in the end, we need to believe and buy into one vision. And we need this come and dominate the, you know, why we are one family. How can we benefit from this family? So, and therefore we have set this general focus and a certain way how we want to work together. That's the culture and how each entrepreneur can benefit from this family approach. So yeah. the headline here is really to become the best home for entrepreneurs. And the only proof can come from the entrepreneurs themselves. When I think about you guys as a group, it's not MTG, it's Hutch, Inno Games, Kiwi all together sort of blended this interesting group of people who have different cultures, but it's, it's sort of the diversity is so interesting in that. Uh, yeah, thing. it's more like a hive, you know, when I compare to yeah. other corporate structures, and what we try to build here should be unique architecture where the entrepreneurs keep the independence, autonomy, same time they benefit from the hive around them, you know? And how you can measure this when we came out of the portfolio days is just the energy which you can feel uh, because they enjoy mm. working together, having an open exchange, talk about failures and not the corporate bullshit, you know, where you try to shine and just 
do a beauty contest. So this is really the opposite here. And, and in the end, this is only the start and there's no blueprint for this architecture. Yeah, and I, in a sense, like living in that hive is so interesting as a founder. Like how, how can you actually sell that idea? Or maybe you don't need, maybe the question is like, how do you implant the interest into the founders that being part of the, the MTG hive is actually something worthwhile. How do you think that could happen? I mean, as I know, all entrepreneurs, their first and foremost interest lies in building great games and, 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 and communities around these games. Yeah? That drives them, that's their passion. And then they want to understand how we can help them, support them. Is it the hive or you can also take a picture or an analogy. We, we moved into a house and we're building together this house. So mm. what they need is probably is through our centers of excellence where each company is a champion for one of these centers of excellence. So these are games, critical disciplines, everything from BI analytics to marketing UA to games development and even to crypto blockchain gaming. Yeah? So yeah. each company is strong in some of, of these games disciplines and then would champion one of the centers of excellence. So we're not trying to build a huge overhead, but here naturally will unfold a collaboration through the centers of excellence. And that's what the entrepreneur is looking for because you always reach a certain point in your growth phase where you realize, okay, now it's about scale or I need access to these resources or talent, how to retain talent, attract talents is a common theme for all the companies these times where you can work, rem work remotely and uh, other big corporates are probably trying to lure them in with big checks. So from HR topics to games, critical topics, they would benefit from, from the collaboration and that attracts them to whatever, the hive or the new house they can build together with us. How do you then, like, just picking up something that's mm -hmm. very relevant for growing big games businesses, is uh, performance marketing, user acquisition, you talk about the center of excellence, but aren't you still instilling that knowledge and talent into each of the, the companies in the group that you need to replicate people since you're not doing anything centrally? Uh, how is that done efficiently? So probably it's good to start with the, the um, BI analytics layer. So here, Indogames took the lead together with Congregate and they've built up a central BI analytics system where everyone feeds in their data. That gives us the transparency to all the companies. And as you know, KPIs are super important. That drives the product development. So you have a central point of access. And that's super important because transparency, open communication, I think is the foundation here of any collaboration. Then InnoGames is probably best in class when it comes to UA performance marketing, primarily now for mid-core games, but to leverage their systems, platforms, and open them up for the whole group. This is another huge benefit of, of this, this family model. And then I can go on. Each company has certain strength and they're all mature companies. So take play simple. They're great in ad tech, ad monetization. They just recently joined the group and will now try to find a way also to leverage that technology for everyone. So find relevant topics. Same time would never force anything upon a, a company. So they have to decide it's more pull effect what they want to use from the, from, the, from the central support. And you need to try to understand during the due diligence process and the dating process, what are the strengths of each company and how would they fit into this structural group of companies? Yeah. Thinking about the 
the opportunities out there for you guys and what kind of companies you'd want want specifically in the group and you recall any places where you, you thought like oh we just missed that or oh that would have been so good in our group a certain company you don't necessarily need to name any companies but i'm wondering if there's been like this kind of that you're so close to somebody joining but then they pull out mm. <laughs> yeah but it was mostly our fault probably and i can clearly name at least two and i'm still a big fan of them probably more than two i mm. uh, i think jens has built a super strong corporate culture and you know how they dealt with failures and the focus then on the hidden object games how they've innovated very high on my list i tried to convince them to join our group very early and he as a very diligent entrepreneur he was in the middle of the turnaround he wanted to wait and then he launched the process and it was our fault that we probably were not fast enough uh, that was mm. one then one i'm a big fan of qm games their fast prototyping, great team, the setup between Istanbul and London. And they're simply also, Zynga was super fast. Uh, I, I remember when we submitted our offer, the banker told me, Afan from Ariam, sorry guys, but we just went exclusive. So it, time is of essence, momentum is everything, and we missed them. So these are two examples. And then sure, there is small giants, amazing company. And I remember when we walked into the office, took off our shoes, looked at 45 people building such amazing business. Uh, and you could see then the KPIs very early on that they were sitting on a walking ship. And I could go on. So we had a phase where we were simply were more learning, went to the processes, but we never scored and we were probably not ready. But it was good for us to, to also develop the conversation with our board and and became absolutely clear what we what we are looking for what are sort of like the key changes that you've seen in your model evolving in the last few years i mean the the criteria investment criteria and our buy and bid strategy was pretty much defined and laid out in the beginning in 2016 when we started out so it was more about the execution and also learning what it takes to track these entrepreneurs. In the beginning, we always came in with our family model and a 51, whatever, 49 offer, because I, I still believe that the entrepreneurs should have skin in the game and should still feel as shareholders. But market standard, obviously, is more 100% acquisitions or 90% acquisitions. So we had to play by the rules. That's one key learning. The other is a set timing. Also, as a listed company, you need to follow for a certain corporate governance, which makes sense. And he also, we had to also educate and, and get our board up to speed. And now we had game experts in the board and they're super supportive. And that has helped us now to get back to the game. So it is part of you guys understanding even better uh, what's going on in the game industry. What is driving growth? What is, what is motivating people and stuff? Definitely. It is it's a process. Uh, it's a process of learning uh, what entrepreneurs are looking for, what might work, what not work, serving industry trends. And then again, being ready is also important. Ready to execute, to move fast, what we've proven with the Hutch process. And we were the underdog. <laughs> Believe me, Sean, we were not on Sean's wish list. Uh, we came in from the side and yeah. just tried to be super uh, fast and, and show our best side our Swedish family side, yeah. Then thinking about the, the other gaming horizons out there, we talked about crypto, blockchain, and mobile games definitely is not going anywhere anytime soon. But what do you think about PC, console, VR, game studios as a business that makes sense in a group of games companies? 
we have been focused very much on mobile first companies or cross-platform game developer if you take into games with browser and, and mobile uh, we're not that experienced in pc game development and the risk profile is a different one we have invested into vr companies honestly most of them haven't really worked out pretty early in the game i can't tell you when we're going to see the breakthrough probably it's more on the ar side instead of vr so based on these learnings and i'm a firm believer that genre focus platform focus helps rather go two miles deep instead of too broad having said that i would not um i want to exclude that we might go into pc games so what we're looking for is evergreen franchises to be found on the PC side. And through eSports, we know how valuable and uh, what a long lifetime PC games, console games could have. But also the risk profile and the experience are a bit different in this genre. So for now, I think we, we stay focused on mobile first and then cross-platform. But it might be the case that we find a great PC game developer who wants to port his games to mobile, what we're gonna see in the future. And then thinking about assets, particularly games where you don't acquire the company, but a game, has that come up at all? Or is it something that you, you want to stay away from for now? Mm. That's a decision we leave to the company. So some of them like congregate by games assets. So mm. where they run live ops, but not on the, on the group level. So here we're looking for standalone mature companies. Yeah. And only growth companies as a long-term committed founders, no turnaround cases. But there are always efforts under each company. So from Sean to Ninja Kiwi, they might decide to, to buy another studio or game asset. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's the way it should go. Yeah. Before we go to the final questions, Arndt, I wanted mm -hmm. to ask like your advice. So let's say I I'm a game studio founder. I used to be, and not nowadays, not anymore. But like if I'd be seeing my game becoming this rocket ship, something like Empires and Puzzles was like something huge that I'm thinking about maybe raising half a billion valuation round where I would raise 80, 100 million or, or contemplating the idea of just selling and partnering up with somebody. What kind of advice would you give to a founder in this kind of situation? That's a very personal decision. And I would probably not give one advice, rather ask a few questions just to help yeah. you to reflect what you really want. And these questions would be around, okay, what's what's really your appetite for taking more risk or do you feel you want to de-risk now? Forget the valuation, what is best for your team? And what are you looking for? Where would you benefit from? Is it like UA marketing? And then try to find the right balance between then how much you want to integrate it? What's your operating model? How important is your independence? Or do you want to be part of a bigger corporate so really go questionnaire and then really talk to founders who have gone through this experience because in the end you need the background stories you want to hear the experiences and then you need to ask yourself okay how old i am what's my plan for the next years can i sleep at night taking the risk it's absolutely legit to to de-risk a bit yeah but i i find we as a founder as an entrepreneur driven by passion for games, you want to keep a stake in the game, in the business. Yeah. So then in the end, the question is, who is the right partner and when should you partner? Sure, no one tells a story about these companies who wastes huge, huge financing rounds on the back of, of crazy valuations and then or forgot to, to exit or whatever. So these stories are mostly not told, more the success stories. 
So in the end, it's really a timing question and a personal decision to deal with or not. There's always a time where you try to transition probably the business from uh, VC-backed to long-term owners. I think that's also important to get this, this timing right. Yeah, really and, good. good and, and again, it's like in a marriage. Don't forget that you might spend the rest of your life with these partners. So be careful. Yeah, really good ideas. Hey, final questions for you, Arndt. Can you name your favorite book and why? Yeah, so there's two, actually. So very different ones. One is from a German author called Benedict Welts. I think in English the title is, is called The End of Loneliness. And that really touched me. I can't remember when I cried so much by reading a book. And we were a group of friends. And then everyone read the book and everyone was crying on the beach. Very intense and wonderful writing. The second one is Norwegian Wood from Murakami. It's simply the best love story I ever read in my life. Nice, nice. Do you have a story that has shaped you and how you approach your work today? Yeah, it's, it's more the observations I made in, in corporate life, how much bullshit bingo, political games, how much time is really wasted for excuses and not taking risks that led me simply to the decision. I want to work with great people and building something, not administering something or optimizing something. And you should not waste any second of your life with these corporate games. That has led you to this let's say, concept of, of family of entrepreneurs and unique architecture. And it's good that I went through the experience and saw how an internal competition keeps just, they're just turning around themselves and nothing comes out of this. And even if they buy a company, they, they tend to kill the momentum by telling their entrepreneurs what to do. So all these observations and learnings just uh, led to the decision that I just want to create something new with this architecture where entrepreneurs are happy, can thrive and just grow with that business nice that's perfect hey that's the the final question for you Arden. if people like entrepreneurs out there want to get in contact with you what is the best way to do that call or email me i mean uh, email address pretty simple aunt.benninghoff mpg.com i have a job mobile number just just ping me you can do it through linkedin i respond quickly or meet me at slash um or any other conferences soon. Hopefully they come back, the Gamescom yeah. of the world. So enjoy a meeting and, and then just, just take it from there. Perfect. Hey, Arn, this was so great. Thanks so much for, for joining me on this conversation and really sharing a lot here. Yeah, thanks, Joachim. Hope to see you soon at Slash and grabbing some beers there. Huh? Yeah, and some sauna. <laughs> and some sauna, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> take care. Bye, Joachim. Yep. Bye. If you like our content, please hit follow or subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app so that you'll get notified when next week's episode is available. And in the meantime, please go and check out our website at EliteGameDevelopers.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter on what's happening in gaming startups. See you next time, guys. Bye-bye.